Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. This episode is sponsored by Goalie Gummies, a perfect addition to your wellness routine. Are you looking for a delicious way to support your overall health? Goalie ACV gummies are made with vitamin B9 and B12 to help support healthy nutrient metabolism and immune function. I have partnered with Goalie to give all of my listeners 20% off and free shipping. Use my coupon code at checkout, the gratitude chick, all one word, to take advantage of this offer. Their website is www.goli.com. That is www.goli.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms at The Gratitude Chick for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest Podcast for Facebook and Instagram, at Babes Who Manifest for TikTok, and Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter. Welcome back to your weekly devotional with the Gratitude Chick. So this past Saturday, or last Saturday, I should say, um, we did miss in, uh, an episode. Yes, it is my fault. I um, I didn't necessarily forget to record. I was supposed... I usually try to record Monday through Thursday. And, um, you know, and so I record in advance. Um, but last week it just got away from me. And the next thing I knew, it was Saturday night and there was no recording. So, forgive me for missing last Saturday. Today is actually Thursday the 28th. So, yes, we are going to have this recording in advance for Saturday. So, I'm very happy to be back. We're doing 2 Samuel chapter 10. That's where we're starting today. I did pray before I hit record. And also for those of you who tune in um, every week to the daily, uh, to the weekly devotional, on Wednesdays I am doing um, season two of Manifesting in the Bible. So that is going to be good as well. So it's really kind of like um, two devotionals a week, but that one is more so geared towards um, really not, it's, it's called Manifested in the Bible, but um, this season is really about, you know, kind of looking at the things that we allow to dominate our thoughts. And the the purpose of that is really just kind of to piggyback on the weekly affirmations so it's really, um, you know, trying to give you guys a glimpse into how to use love and all of these good things around us to keep our minds stayed on positive instead of negative. So I do give a lot of scriptures, um, you know, just about love and, and, and God is love, you know. And this past Wednesday... Um, I do encourage you guys to go and listen to the the, the uh, episode is called Encourage Yourself. I was listening to in the the song Encourage Yourself by Sherry Jones Moffitt. 
and I was just I, I felt the song was the song is just awesome so I just felt moved to use the verses that she said in the song as the scripture reference for the week so if you haven't listen to this episode two encourage yourself of manifesting in the bible on from wednesday i definitely encourage that you guys go and listen okay so we're going to start with uh second samuel chapter 10 it happened after this that the king of the of the people of ammon died and han and his son reigned in his place then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, and his father, as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, their lord, Do you think that David really honors your father? Because he has sent comforters to you. Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city to spy it out and to overthrow it therefore Hanan took David's servants shaved off off half of their beards cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks and sent them away that's that's rude like seriously that's rude when they told David he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed and the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. And when the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, the people of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob and the Syrians of Zobah, 20,000 foot soldiers, and from the king of Mac, Maka, 1,000 men, and from Ishtab, 12,000 men. Now when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the army of the mighty men. Then the people of Ammon came out and put themselves in battle array at the entrance of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah, Beth-Rohab, Ishtop, and Maka were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the battle lines were against him before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And and again, okay, I, I, I said again, but I don't think I said this on here. You know, I, I've read some, some um, articles suggesting that, um, and, and, I, and I really don't even know if I should say this, but I am inclined to agree with the articles that I read. So I, the articles basically stated that Africa was much bigger than what we see on the maps and that some other people came along and redid the maps and redid the land to make um the middle east or you know bethlehem and all of these countries that are mentioned in the bible not a part of africa when they are or when they were during these times so when it says that Israel and Syria and all, and, and if you think about it, when Jesus was sent into Egypt, Egypt is a part of Af Africa. So to me, in my estimation, these countries that are mentioned in the Bible all 
are supposed to be still in Africa. Or at this time that they were mentioned, you know, before Jesus was here. Um, this was probably about 2,000 years before Jesus came or maybe 1,000 years before Jesus came. All of these countries were in Africa. Like there, there are articles I read that are trying to say Mesopotamia was not in Africa. It was in Asia. All of these countries were in Africa. But they are trying to discredit Africa because it is the nation of black people. So I just thought I would say that because I saw Syria and Syria is a country in the Middle East. And again, Arabs, Afghanistan, all of those countries that are no longer in Africa were in Africa during the Bible times. I mean, you know, I don't want to harp on anything, but it just doesn't make any sense that countries like India, Syria, you know, where there are brown people would not be on the continent of brown people. It doesn't make sense. So I just wanted to put that out there because I, I'm reading about Israel and Syrians. So I just don't want anybody to, you know, feel that I am, you know, trying to be, it's, it's not about a race thing. I just feel like, you know, people are going out of their way and have gone out of their way for many years to discredit Africans. So, and I just feel like, come on, stop playing with us. Like, why would why would all of these brown countries now all of a sudden be on in on an Asian continent? It just doesn't make sense. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. So, and the rest of the people he put under the command of. A, Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So, and, and again, this is one of the reasons why, you know, David is a man after God's own heart. He did not say, may the Lord, you know, smite these people to the ends of the earth. He said, be of good courage. Let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So whatever it is, is the Lord's will, let it happen. So... Anyway, so Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishah and entered the city. So Joab returned from the people of Ammon and went to Jerusalem. When the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered together. Then Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the river, and they came to Helam. And Shobak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, went before them. When it was told David, he gathered. When it was told to David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came to Helam. 
And the Syrians set themselves in battle array against David and fought with him. Okay. Then the Syrians fled before Israel and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 horsemen of the Syrians. Wow. And struck Shobak, the commander of their army who died there. And when all the kings who were servants to Hadadezer saw that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and served them. So the Syrians were afraid to help the people of Ammon anymore. Okay, so now we're moving on to chapter 11. And chapter 11 is the chapter that I literally have a side eye for David. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to just read it and let you guys listen and see what you think. So it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him and he lay with her. For she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. So... David, again, again, this these stories in the Bible about David and Abraham and these men who were great men of God, who had, you know, multiple wives and concubines and, you know, things like that are why some men out there feel like it's okay to have multiple wives. And, and my answer to that is just because you are seeing men of God transgress the Ten Commandments does not mean that God condoned this behavior. As we can see with David, he was, um, and, and this is not a judgment against him. This is actually the truth. And also it makes me feel good about me that maybe, you know, I could be somebody in God's eyes, you know. But David was the the ultimate sinner, you know. And he literally looked and and not only did he see this woman bathing, so that makes you a creep, Uncle Tom. I mean, peeping Tom. And you inquired. They told you she was married. And you went and had your messengers take her from her home. What is this woman supposed to say? No, King David, I won't have sex with you. Is that what she's supposed to say? So you use your position that God gave you as king to go and take another man's wife and have sex with her and send her back to her husband's bed. And you got her pregnant. Come on. Okay. Verse six. Then David said to Joab saying, saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. Now this is, this is some foul, this is some foul stuff that's about to happen. Okay. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked him how Joab was doing. 
and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house and a gift of food from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David saying Uriah did not come down to his house, David said to to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, the ark in Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So basically he's saying the ark of Israel is where you guys know the ark of the covenant is where the spirit of God dwelled and the Ten Commandments were. So what his thing is, if the ark is in, you know, is dwelling in tents and Joab and the servants are are camping in the open fields, should I then go and live in luxury and have sex with my wife, eat food and sleep in my bed? Like he's basically saying it's not fair. I am a part of these people. Why should I go and have this when they can't? That's basically what he's saying. So... Uriah is showing himself to be a loyal man, a good man, and, uh, you know, one that follows up after his, his, his people, you know? Then David said to Uriah, wait here today also and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk. And at evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And what I think David was trying to do by sending him home to his wife was to have sex with his wife so that that baby could be passed off as the husband instead of David's, you know what I mean? Because if, since this man was gone, right? He was at war. How could his wife get pregnant? But if David sends him to his wife to have sex with her, she gets pregnant. That's his baby. But now the man will not go down and have sex with his wife. So now she's pregnant. Who is the father, right? Okay. In the morning, it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So because this man would not go and, and, you know, live in luxury, so to speak, while his men and and, and the army were out living in fields, because David had sex with his wife, he is going to kill this man. And he used the man to send the message to the army leader. Do you guys hear this? If David is not the chief of sinners, who is? He literally had used his position that God gave him to go have sex with another man's wife. And because that man is honor bound by his, his, 
whatever that they, you know, whatever oath or whatever with the army, he would not go and take luxuries when his his comrades couldn't. So he, David could not pass this baby off as the husband's. So the next thing to do is to kill him. Are you crazy? Okay. I'm sorry for yelling. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the people of the servants of David fell and Uriah, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger saying, when you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Thebaz. Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent by him. And the messenger said to David, surely the man prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead. And your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to, to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. See? See? That is the thing about, you know, David that I I literally despise the most. Because, like, dude, how dare you? Like, really, did you, like, what made you think it was okay what you did? And even, and furthermore, you had this man killed. And 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 then again, it goes back to him being a man after God's own heart. After you did this despicable, wicked thing, what happened to keep you having favor in God's eyes? This is the whole reason why I decided to read about David. Because he has done some evil things some despicable things but he is still considered a man after god's own heart right okay so chapter 12 then the lord sent nathan to david and he came to him and said to him there were two men in one city one rich and the other poor the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And the traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. 
but he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Now David, understandably, is angry, but Nathan, as you guys remember, Nathan is the prophet. Nathan is telling him about his own sin, about what he did to Uriah. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And and again, this is the verse, one of the verses that these guys take and misinterpret thinking God is, is condoning David having multiple wives. But what God says is, I gave you your master's wives into your keeping. That does not mean I gave you your master's wives so you can have sex with them and bore children and bear children. That's not what that's saying. And gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much, much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. See? Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you for your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel, before the son. Yikes. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this thing you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child, to blaspheme the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. So basically what this is saying is that the Lord has forgiven David for his sin, but he will be punished and his son that he bore, that he, um, yeah, that he bore with Uriah's wife will die. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And he said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Boom, right here. David's actions, while despicable, 
And this is why 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 12, tells us that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. David's heart worshiped God. He did not blaspheme God. He did not blame God. He did not, he wasn't pissed at God. He did not, he didn't rail against God. He knew what he did was wrong. God told him through Nathan that what you did was wrong and this is what I'm going to do. And although David tried his best to say, Lord, please, 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 he had already had his sentence passed against him. And unfortunately, that meant they were, he was going to get his, his, his son taken, unfortunately. And what this means, instead of David being angry, as most of us would have, because you have seen people say, you know, this God did this and God did that and God, 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 blaming God for their own decisions and their own choices to sin. And one a person that I knew in college used to say, sin always takes you further than what you first thought. And because he decided to sleep with Uriah's wife, these are the consequences of his choice. So my thing is, we often make choices that have dire consequences. And when those consequences happen, we turn around and we blame God for the choices that we make. It is not God's fault that you made the choice that caused these consequences. For instance, people who make, you know, just horribly racist comments and misogynistic comments online, and then they turn around and lose their jobs. Freedom of speech is not freedom from consequence. You chose to make that post, so you will get the consequence that is coming to you. And this is what I'm trying to tell my teach my niece be careful with your words your words give life and your words give death be careful with the things that you say okay i don't i didn't want to preach <laughs> so then he went to his own house and when he requested they set food before him and he ate then his servant said to him what is this that you have done you fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went to her and lay with her. So she bore a son and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. Rap, um, so here's the thing about even, even this. Solomon. I don't know if you guys have ever read about Solomon. But Solomon, <laughs> in my opinion, I, I can't. I don't know as far, I, I know the the sins of Solomon I should say I don't know his um his kind of heart I should say like David expresses so much of himself and his sorrow his sorrow and his um repentance in Psalms so we know we can see that David was very repentful he he lived in thanksgiving he was always praising God you know 
Solomon was a wise was a very wise man, right? But he also also was very um he was also a great sinner. 700 wives or 300 700 wives and 300 concubines or 300 wives and 700 concubines is one or the other, but it was a thousand women he had that we knew of. And I'll just leave it at that. But that, he was a son of Bathsheba that he stole from Uriah and David. Okay. Now, Joab fought against Rabbi, the people of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbi, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. <laughs> so David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbi, fought against it, and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stone, and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance, and he brought out the people who were in it and put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did to all the city of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. So as you can see, even though his he did this great despicable evil and he his son died, the Lord still blessed him. The Lord still blessed him. And it is just simply because if you read Psalms and you can always tell when David is down in the dumps, you know, he always talks about the sorrow defeating him and then blessed be the Lord, my God, who has never, you know, doesn't stray from me, you know, things like that. He talks about his emotions and how, how bad he's feeling, but he never, he never neglects to say to bless God, to praise God, to thank God. He never, ever neglects that. And that is why, even though all you, all we read in that verse was him, I mean, in this chapter was him taking this man's wife, having the man killed, you know, bearing a son who died, all of these things, that's all you see. But if you go to Psalms, what you see is praise, uh, thankfulness love like you can feel it when you read these psalms psalms 23 is a song of a, a psalm of praise and how god cares for us you know it's just so many psalms psalms 91 it is a script a, a chapter that i keep close to me whenever i am fear, fearing fearful you know because it reminds me that God does not sleep. He doesn't slumber. And he will empty heaven of all his angels to come and take care of me if I need it. These are the things that David writes about. The love of God to, of, from God to his people. And that is why David is a man after God's own heart. So even though we only read uh, three chapters today. This next chapter is 39 verses, so it's gonna it'll be another 20 minutes, and we're already at 35 minutes. So we'll pick up at chapter number what is it, 13? What? Wait, wait. Oh yeah, <clears throat> sorry. Chapter number 13. Um. Uh, 
uh, next week, chapter 13 next week, yeah. So I hope you guys have gotten some good stuff out of this. Um, Second Samuel is not as long as First Samuel, so we should be finished with this chapter long before. And I think after we finish this, I'm we're going to be done with this part of David and just, you know, at this point we'll understand. And I may do follow it up by doing some of David's um, psalms um, after we finish Second Samuel. And then we'll go on to maybe, um, maybe we'll start in the New Testament or something. I, I haven't decided. Um, but I think that what I, I kind of want to teach everybody, and not, not really teach, but what I kind of want to talk about in, in these devotionals right now is the God of the Old Testament. So we may stay in the Old Testament for a while. And even though I say the God of the Old Testament, God does not change. Jesus is what is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we know. So I think I may, and so many, you know, Christians really just stay in the New Testament now that they don't really know the Old Testament. So I think that for now, we'll stay in the Old Testament. I may, you know, go into the New Testament here and there, but for now, we'll stay in the Old Testament just to, I think, to learn because I think that in order to understand why Jesus was necessary, we have to understand what happened in the Old Testament to make him necessary, right? So thank you guys for tuning in today for this episode of your weekly devotional with the Gratitude Chick. I do appreciate that you guys continue to to listen to me. Thank you guys so much. I am, oh, somebody's at my door. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe and give my podcast five stars. If you have not already, join my Facebook group, Babes Who Manifest.